just to give some o- overview. Imagine it's um, understood by many of you that uh, what we enter or what we aspire to enter is something that's uh, innately present, it's not created, it's not formed, it's something that's, you could say, remembered or entered into, so that helps to moderate our efforts and our understanding. In fact, sometimes called coming home, even to return out of the dreams or the spins or the you know, trances that we get into, find ourselves in. There's something innately peaceful about that return, and yet, of course, there is such a thing as right effort, and there is such a thing as commitment and persistence is needed to gain access to that. So you might say it's unconditioned, but there are conditions that allow us entry into that. We don't create it, but they allow us entry. They open the door, you might say. And just as a, a kind of a very simple overview I'd like to <clears throat> present that in three three stages. Of course, all these teaching devices, you know, are just purely arbitrary, really. But this is one way of looking at it. Um, so, pay attention. There's the first. Meet what arises. Second, and include it all. Pay attention, meet what arises, include it all. And there's a sequence in that. You don't include it all before you're attentive. That's part of the problem. (laughs) 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 It's quite overwhelming. You're caught up. Mm. So, and yet, uh, also, we don't want to leave bits out, unexamined bits, pieces of karma or tendencies we haven't really clarified, pieces we haven't really resolved. So, if we meditate into uh, constructed a way to contrive or constructed a way the tendency can be to to leave out bits of our history, bits of our past karma you might say don't fit into the textbook because of course they can't you know you can't write a book that covers every detail of everyone So one of the 
kind of balances from meditators how to do the, the meditation practice without leaving themselves out of it. <laughs> so you just become good at meditating on a particular object. You don't actually clear or reveal or um, resolve pieces of your, your karma. So in fact, paying attention is a 24-7 kind of thing. But in terms of retreat, we have a particular opportunity to really prime that and strengthen that and you know, be skillful around that. Because, of course, attention is something that gets grabbed by lots of things. We don't exactly pay it, it's just ripped off us. <laughs> you know, snatched, torn out, forced. So we pay attention. The first thing is considered attention. It's called yoniso manasikara or wise attention or appropriate attention. Attention has got some depth in it. You know. Say what's, what's useful right now to attend to, what's helpful, what's uh, furthering, what's going to bring me to a greater balance. In fact, simply speaking, what attention will open awareness rather than contract it onto some particular object, some desired object or some feared object or some compulsive thing or some habitual thing. So what's the kind of things to focus on that actually lead to the reduction of stress, clinging, grasping, being held, being thrown around? What's the kind of attention that leads out of reaction into something more balanced, poised, responsive? What's the kind of attention that allows us to meet ourselves without getting caught up with it all? So this is so when we consider this considered attention, then you know. doesn't mean we give attention to every possibility. You know, but to what's going to support the process of being able to meet without reaction or engagement. So there can be instead of that a kind of quality of releasing, understanding, forgiving, So that, in fact, as we do that, we're able to include more and more in that process. More of the tough stuff, more of the gritty stuff or the slippery stuff. Because we've learned a particular skill in how to meet with a wise, sacred response rather than a reactive, blind one. attention, but be considered what is skillful to attend to. And Buddha said, well, things to give attention to are things that cause skillful states to arise 
and unskillful states to diminish, <laughs> which is true. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Some detail, please. <laughs> but actually, that's very true, very fair. Because yeah, most any kind of thing you give attention to can, you know, even te- even meditation objects can bring unskillful states into mind. You get tense, compulsive, trying to get it right. You get these kinds of um, syndromes come in. You know, perfectionism, you know, overforced or idealistic, even with meditation objects, meditation themes. So you know, tend in a way also that brings your skill to light. Brings your skillfulness, brings your flexibility, your wisdom, your compassion to light. Mm. Of course in a <coughs> Generally, we, we use the body. So the body has less uh, fast-moving stories associated with it than the mind. So the body gives you um, basic presence. It doesn't have a lot of history. It doesn't have a lot of memory in it. So I tend to giving attention to the body. We incline towards simplicity. Renunciation, simplicity. Just okay, just this physical form as it is, the feeling of it. It's a useful focus for attention because you can uh, both widen and spread your attention. You can focus on particular small points, whole areas, the whole body, body moving, body static, lying down, standing, sitting, particular patterns in the body, such as the breathing pattern, warmth, coolness, elements. So there's a lot there. And they are um, all available. And from skillful attention, awareness will tend to open. As you become more sensitive, more balanced, uh, more calm, steady. Your awareness unfolds. It's no longer so contracted. So, you know, this is part of the process, isn't it? You can say this awareness is our primary reality. You know, there's always some basic... Consciousness, you might say, and awareness is the center of that, the ability to sense, to know. And yet, for most of us, that awareness is confused. That is, it's basically tainted with a bias to hold on to things, to mirror things, to catch things, to make something out of it. You know, it's, it's sort of, it's confused, or it has confusion. We 
confusion is experienced as some kind of stress. The stress of hunger, stress of wanting, stress of reaching out and grabbing, which is stressful. The stress of defending, aversion, blocking, tightening up. The stress of confusion, flopping around, not this, that, could be, maybe, you know, a classic triad, greed, hatred, delusion. You experience them much more as a something that's always wanting to, to, to find, to have, to hold. Something that's, you know, secondly, that which is trying to close or protect or defend, shut off, doesn't want to be with. <coughs> or something that seems to have no real center or ground, so it's just kind of drifting, doubting, worrying, uncertain, wavering, dreaming, you know, spinning out. So what helps us to clear that? Finding body, breathing in, breathing out. And the ability to consider and pay attention, give attention. If that's working, if that's skillful, if we do that in the right way, we'll know because what happens is there is a a sense of a widening of awareness. There's a little more settledness. Uh, doesn't mean everything suddenly totally clear, but there's a more settled quality. You feel more um, sensitive. Less captured. giving attention, paying attention. And that famous word mindfulness is the ability to to bear something in mind to sustain attention. we pay attention then we sustain it means you lengthen the ability to be with the whole flow of an experience breathing in breathing out um, the, whole sp- the, the senses of what's happening as you walk staying on that particular focus and these focuses don't have to be that tight so one of the Another form of um, unwise attention is when we um, get too tight about attention. So the, the you know one gets kind of gets the idea of giving attention. So person may very well feel well more more is better. It's like one aspirin is good, therefore 20 is even better. 
not necessarily so. So there can be a, a kind of an one becomes ideological about attention. So the attention is then led from a from an idea of attention, from making more of it, becoming better at it, getting good at it, having you know more and more intensity to it. And you want to check those those attitudes, where they're coming from. Who said so? Does it lead to skillful result? Or does it in fact begin to obscure the sense of open awareness? Because one's always busy being attending. You know? So if you like, you, you're turning the door handle, but instead of opening the door, you just keep turning that handle, and turning and fiddling with it. You know, and the idea is to use attention to open something rather than just be playing with the door handle. And if you like, you know, the simple technical aspect of that is you have vitaka, which is the vitaka, which is the ability to point, direct, touch something with your attention, and vichara, which is the vichara, which is the ability to receive, feel it, sense it. You know, it's like this. And there's a dialogue going on. So if it's if you too if you do too much then what happens is that you, the vitaka aspect, the kind of holding, pointing, becomes accentuated. And the vichara, the sampling, contemplating, feeling it out, letting it speak, doesn't happen or becomes reduced. So there isn't the arising of a quality of deepening or understanding or opening. It just gets tighter and tighter. So paying attention in order to meet what arises, to have that receptivity. Because the introductory piece is this, which I've mentioned, is this sense of we are, in fact, on a homecoming mission, you might say, using it just as an image. So there's something about, you know, not becoming the perfect meditator or the great Buddhist, but actually using attention to return to a a very simple, uncluttered state. It isn't full of technique. It isn't, you haven't you know, drawn all over the sheet of, of awareness with elaborate arabesques and curlicues and things of this nature. It's just simple. Mm-hmm. Breathing in, breathing out. 
standing, walking, sitting. Feeling the posture of the body. Understanding the balance of the body. Knowing it fully. Sensing, spending time sensing the hands, the feet, the face. It's giving it, it's learning to just give some attention, you know, kind and uh, tuning in way. It's a place we, body's a place we haven't been very much. You know, attention's been grabbed all the time. So this this body acts as a kind of a, as a sign to return to. And you feel with that you get the feedback, it starts to feel more present. Of course, the uh, snag is that also you start to check in with the, some of the bruises you have from the car crash of life, or several car crashes, or a car crash every day. Physical stuff, the physiological stuff, the tensions, the you know stuff that the body seems somehow to remember. So then meeting what arises is a careful process. Things come up, things happen. And uh feel dull, we feel restless, we feel pain. Sometimes we find ourselves spinning out to thoughts, memories, strange moods. And this is all kind of coming out in the wash, you might say. Not exactly a problem, but that which has to be handled carefully cleaning it out, ventilating it. Sometimes it really is just that. It's just about opening up and letting it, letting it steam off. Letting it kind of, the bodily presence just gradually moor ground and just letting the stuff boil off, move off by itself. Nothing really to solve or resolve. But the Basic instruction will be to how to um, not get captured by these uh, forms, these forms of stress or dis-ease, discomfort, confusion. So finding a simple basis and where we learn to um, flex attention so you can widen it. This is a great skill because uh, most things that catch you contract as you get suddenly drawn in. You get drawn into a story. You're sitting there and suddenly find your, your head's gone down a rabbit hole somewhere. You know? And you, you know, you're sort of, whoa, where's that gone? You know? <laughs> or you know, bits of your chest have disappeared or something, you know, down some black hole 
and they've got a mesmerizing um, potential because a lot of this is karma, karma, old karma has got uh, this charge in it. It's something that's got why it's still there is because it's quite it has some meaning. It's got some charge in it, some potential in it, so it's got it's got magnetic quality. So how to just widen out of those those holes, those traps, those places we get caught in. So again, using the body, so widening across the body, opening the eyes, standing, taking a few deep breaths, widening the focus does help you to come out of the trance states, the mesmerizing states. And then of course the other extreme is begin spinning out, no ground, and then you want to just come to something where you've got an earth quality, the spine, standing is very good, feeling the pressures of your feet, walking's good, feeling the movement of your body just moving through space, that continual presence of something that's there for you. And just keeping that in mind and allowing other stuff to blow through. And probably by and large, this is what it all comes down to. There's really not a lot of understanding that's needed except the understanding of how to hold something spaciously and with empathy. Not to get caught in it, not to contract around it, not to shut it down. How to hold is what arises with a sense of spaciousness, empathy. Spaciousness will come from the body. Since having, so you're not just disappearing, losing yourself in a thought or a memory. You've got a whole physical presence to widen over. Empathy will come from the heart. When you begin to, from, from spaciousness, because you, there's a sense of spaciousness, you can sense that that particular grief or fear or bitterness or whatever is just something there it's not you it's not you're not totalized in that so with that sense of some distance some space there's the ability to wow what does that feel like hey that's tough you know or hmm some compassion can be aroused Of course, sometimes we we lose it into uh, more pleasing ideas, pleasant fantasies, drifts, dreams. And this is probably more difficult. The first thing that we have to be able to sustain our presence with is, is perhaps the sense of that which is disagreeable. Second thing, which is more tricky, is to be able to sustain presence with something that's actually agreeable, <laughs> which one would rather like to follow. You know, feels good, tastes good, smells good. You know, you know. And again, however much we can, uh, you know, Think about, you just have to learn it, really. 
after generally after about a thousand or so times of following the agreeable if you're really quite attentive it takes a while to, to it to really get in there you know but if there's a if there is considered attention following the agreeable just leads you to the hungry and then the sense of the agreeable you know passing of it the attachment to it the restlessness of it enough (laughs) there's a point somewhere enough I've done this I've been this it just goes round and round and round and round and round. How long does it take? Pay attention. That's gonna that's gonna that's gonna brief that's gonna abbreviate the process. And learn the beauty of meeting. The kind of sensitivity of it, the, the freedom of it. To me the thing that's more agreeable than the agreeable is freedom. Doesn't mean the agreeable can't happen or disagreeable can't happen, but the quality of freedom is to me the more is the real. That's the best. Yeah, that's what I really would like. And just introducing this these to our hearts to just really check it out learn in our own time through meeting it and uh, realizing with that there's, there isn't you can't really put a stopwatch on the process some things take a lot of time before the penny drops so quite a bit of that process of meeting is the sense of patience and uh, not giving up on oneself. What's needed here when we come to our memories or our uh, desires or our fears, what's really needed? So we're not just going through this again and again and again. Of course, on retreat, what arises is always on the on the agenda. So, so the occasion when I was teaching a retreat on mindfulness of breathing, and one of the retreatants had um, hay fever during this retreat, so his whole nasal passages were streaming, inflamed, and he couldn't really get a single single inhalation or an exhalation is just all streaming and uh, you know the retreat was a long one it was I think a month month long 
<laughs> and during this month, he didn't get a single breath. And he said what he, what he practiced with was just meeting the feeling of frustration and uh, you know, feeling he was missing out, feeling he couldn't do it, feeling irritated that he was being taught all this stuff. And he said it was a great retreat because he was able just to, to meet all these mental, emotional patterns and just keep releasing them. You know. So, you know, that's, that's the way it is actually. When we sit, when you have something like mindfulness of breathing, you can recognize that, yeah, that's, that's the theme. What happens, that's the important bit. It's not in the book because you can't, nobody can say what's going to happen. But what's going to happen, that's the bit, that's the, what you meet. And use the, the focal point as the thing to establish attention. And then you meet. You know, the trying to get it right, the making it complicated, the adding embellishments, the is it this, is it that, should I do this, should I focus on my nose, my belly, my chest, my ears, my paws, where should I do it? Just, well, just breathe, you know, see what happens. But which kind of breathing? Slow breathing, long breathing? Just, I don't know, breathe. <laughs> just do it natural. You know, what were the breathing that comes for you? Where you feel it? How you know you're breathing now? Could be a swelling in the body. Could be a sense of energy moving be sensations, just what tells you you're breathing. Uh, and then within that you meet that. And you meet all those patterns as it starts to show you some of the patterns of trying to get to samadhi, trying to realize something that isn't realized, worry about getting it wrong, worrying how, wondering how long it's going to go on for wondering which system to use, these kind of things, as well as the more obvious stuff of uh, distractions and thoughts. And how do you know you're breathing? And then it, every time you slip off, just, uh-huh. What's happening, to the, what's happening in the world of breathing right now? So you're able to continually just, with the moment of losing it, is really quite uh, quite a key moment because that's the moment in which you can start to get angry, despondent, tight, forceful, nasty, <laughs> or you could just that very moment you just loosen. You know, you can feel almost there's an energetic tightening at the moment of recognition of oh, where am I? then your attention can, tight, can tighten up. Or you could just pause and soften, loosen. And catch the next out-breath. So it's rather like that. So every time you're in a way catching these arising pushes of stress, and loosening it, releasing it, not buying into the story of 
perfect mindfulness of breathing or still after 15 years can't get this right or whoever invented this stupid system anyway or (laughs) maybe Jesus will save me instead or whatever. (laughs) 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 Just just let go of that. That's the main point. We're not really here to become, you know, breathologists. But, uh, use attention to open awareness, meet what arises. Don't be deceived by it. There's a continual kind of skimming off and evaporation of what arises. So the mind kind of exhausts or plays out wears out its uh, programs and pathologies around this rather humble experience and there's a beauty in that because when you get that kind of process going it's really there's some gladness you know it's not about getting it right it's about using it to clear right and wrong, to get free of those things. Then we can include it all. Because when it comes down to, you know, mindfulness of breathing, right and wrong, however, you know, unpleasant they can feel, they're nothing compared to the rights and wrongs that we've got stored up the rest of our lives. (laughs) You know, they've got no real history to them. But when you include it all, it's that sense of how how you sense yourself, some of the past things come up, some of the feelings of the things that really stuck with you. And then, of course, this is all the karma, the old histories come up, and then we're able to meet those and clear those through that process of attention and awareness. Attention is the directed, the focus. Awareness is undirected, but it's the dissolver. Awareness, as we clear that is almost like a, like water when you put things into it they tend to dissolve the, tensi- the tensity the hardness the, the, te- the tightness of that starts to dissolve yeah. the blaming or the fearing or the regretting or the nostalgias they start to loosen and dissolve and you clear you clear and that's what we're left with clarity that clarity is freedom and our ability to continually meet what arises that becomes our 
capacity to be loving. Which is really just a Brahma Vihara, kindness, compassion, appreciation, equanimity, ability to meet through those bases, which always will lead to the disengagement, the dissolution of stress and tension. And our lives become resolved into something more, more blessed, Filled. The ability to be loving and the, ability, the possibility of freedom. So, why don't we take a little few minutes? Um, break, just stretch your legs five minutes or so, perhaps just stay in the hall stay around so regroup in five minutes and then we'll spend some time sitting in silence